T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0, and liftoff. Welcome everyone to this episode of the Palmetto Guardian. I'm Sergeant Chelsea Weaver. And I'm Specialist Anna Grace Cato. And today I think we have another very important guest. We've had a lot of very important guests recently, but I'm going to let him introduce himself and then we're going to just jump right into today's topic. Hey, I'm uh, Sergeant Emil. I'm the G1 Personnel Services NCO. I'm here to discuss uh, admin set process, uh, outgoing ISTs, and waivers. Awesome. So before we get into the nitty gritty of what we're talking about. Can you explain kind of like what you do on a day-to-day basis being in G1? So I'm starting well, I do uh, personal services in the G1, admin sep- separations, outgoing ISTs and waivers. Um, today, I think we're going to be discussing admin seps and out, uh, interstate transfers. So um, the admin set process, uh, there's three major events that cause the admin set process to occur. And that's one, uh, unsat participation, participation um, substance abuse, and misconduct. Uh, misconduct varies. There's a wider array of things that can fall under misconduct, um, such as civil uh, convictions, uh, pattern of misconduct, uh, criminal offenses. Um, the whole process is started at the unit, and uh, it's important that the soldier knows that just because they go AWOL or they get a drug positive, it's not a career-ending event. Um, it's a bump in there. It's a little blip on the radar. The soldier continues to attend drill or seek treatment for the substance abuse. They can uh, be retained within their unit. Um, a lot. It's a big misconception that people think that it's over till one and done. It's, that is not the case. Um, all the information that uh, for the packets, for the readiness NCOs and training NCOs can be found on our G1 public page under the desktop reference guide. Do you guys help out with um, giving those soldiers that want to stay in and fix whatever little um, mistake they made? Do you Can you help them out with, like, resources or anything? Yeah, absolutely. So Miss um, Brainerd and Substance Abuse Program – um, she'll uh, offer the soldier different treatment plans uh, and facilities local to them that they can seek the treatment with. Um, as far as AWOLs go, I mean, just show up to drill and, and your command's going to want to retain you. Nine times out of ten, the soldier changes their mind uh, or, like, has some sort of, uh, you know, outside influence that is causing them not to attend drill the command will work with it and and want to retain them. Yeah, I think that's a big thing too. Like I know that we have our drill schedules for the year and um, that could be conflicting with different life events or things that come up. And I've never heard of a unit that wasn't willing to work with somebody if there was something that came up where they needed to split train or um, do their training another date or something like that. So I think that's good to definitely put out there, especially to new soldiers because they haven't been around for a long time. So, and it has changed. I mean, I've been in almost 13 years and it's completely different than when I enlisted. So it's good to put out that kind of information to the newer soldiers and that way they don't make any irrational decisions without thinking of the consequences or 
um, just getting help if they need help in some type of way. So with that, are, is there specific things that you see a lot or you see more of than others or um, is it kind of like just a mixture of all of those uh, things that you mentioned earlier? Uh, it's a mixture of all those things, but uh, particularly AWOLs. Um, and I think it's just a big misconception amongst soldiers. Um, they think that, oh, I've hit my nine AWOLs. I'm getting separated. My career's over. It's That's not the case. Um, talk to your chain of command. Work something out. See if you can if you can go through the whole process. Because once the process starts, it has to finish. And uh, the tag is the only person who can retain or separate. And like I said, nine times out of ten, he's going to want to retain. The command's going to re- want to retain the soldier, especially if they start returning and becoming an active participant at drill. Um, I've had I've talked to soldiers uh, on the phone who have thought they were out and have started the process, and they just like, oh, I thought I was done with the guard. And I was like, no, you have an opportunity. You can talk to your command. You can still be in the guard. Hmm. So you're saying that for AWOLs, you can be AWOL up to nine times before something happens? Correct. So, oh, wow. Yeah, but each – so uh, drills uh, is two days. Mm-hmm. That's four mutas. So that's four days, four AWOLs. Oh, so okay, So it adds gotcha. up quickly. Yeah, okay. Wow, I didn't know that. That's insane. Yeah, each day is two days, essentially. Yeah, that- so I know that um, there's been a lot of changes and a lot of people, they know about like the urinalysis and all of that and the units, they do a certain percentage each drill or each year and all that. Um, but I think there's been a lot of confusion with like not knowing what is happening because there really hasn't been much push on it especially during COVID and all of that. And then obviously there's all these new products and food items and all that that have different things in them that technically we should or should stay away from because it has, it detects specific things, I guess, that are detectable, I guess, in a way. But, um, and I know that they just put out a new policy, but it hasn't really been pushed out yet to everybody else. But can you maybe touch a little bit on those changes or what's to come so people can be prepared? Yeah, absolutely. So if, um, if you don't recall, uh, before COVID happened, I believe it was, they started testing for the Delta-8. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> in, you know, every every street corner has a Delta-8 pharmacy or store, gas stations. Uh, everything seems to have it in there. Um, so we've adopted what several other states have been doing, and it's essentially a three-strike rule with the Delta-8 positives. Um, so on the first two strikes, or uh, well, the first strikes the counseling, second strikes the counseling, and then can be also uh, conjoined with NJP. And then the third strike is an admin SEP, um, which you can still be retained for. Um, we haven't seen any of those yet with the three strikes. We haven't hadn't gotten many of those. Um, soldiers are doing what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, here in the next few days to weeks, uh, probably by next drill, uh, everybody should be informed and, and notified of the policy, the new policy that was just signed recently. So moving on away from that, I don't want to get too into the weeds because I know that a lot of people aren't too familiar yet with that, but um, you were saying earlier how you work with ISTs or interstate <laughs> transfers. Um, can you kind of explain, and I know you said that you process them out, not in. So can you kind of go over what that looks like? Yeah. Um, so I'm the outgoing ISD coordinator as well for the time being. Um, 
the biggest thing is that the units and, and the soldiers, we can't um, deny an IST from happening. Um, we can recommend that it be disapproved, but essentially it's on the soldier and the gaining state um, to whether or not they accept that or not, accept that soldier. Um, there is a whole process for that. Um, there's uncoordinated and then there's coordinated. Um, of course, the coordinated is much more, a much smoother process for the soldier and for the losing state. Um, because a lot of the responsibility falls on the soldier. So I want to say I want to move to Georgia. It's up to me to coordinate that and, and speak with another unit, find another home, and see if they'll accept me into that and to really get the ball rolling on that. Now, if I were to say I want to go to Georgia, I submit all the paperwork, which can all be found on the desktop reference guide. Um, I submit all the paperwork, and then it goes to their incoming uh, IST coordinator. And then the process is dragged out exponentially. So where it could be a couple weeks getting it processed could turn into several months. So it's important that we remember that when we're doing an IST uh, to remain patient of the whole process and know that it's, you're just waiting for your home to open up, your new home and your new state. Hmm. So beforehand, was that more of a unit level task that they would do that? So, yeah, so there's several things that the soldier has to do at the unit, um, clearing supply. Um, there's memorandums, the soldier's memorandum explaining why they needed to IST, essentially, because you signed a contract with South Carolina. Um, so there's just a, a whole process. There's a whole checklist, like I said, in the desktop reference guide. Or if you want to reach out to me personally, I'll, I'll gladly email um, that checklist in, in the different counseling forms so you can get that started with your readiness NCO. How long does, if you do it with a smooth way, <laughs> how long typically is the process, or does it just depend on where you're going and if they have availability with the unit you're trying to get to? Yeah, so if, if you coordinate it with the, uh, the state you want to join, uh, it can be really quick. Um, as fast as you turn in your gear and get all the paperwork signed off and get your counseling, uh, I I've had turnarounds for as soon as I get the packet. Once I have the packet, I send it immediately to the, the incoming state. And uh, if they're expecting you, I've seen one-day turnaround, two-day turnarounds. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Anything else in the guard I feel like takes a lot longer than that. <laughs> so if someone is wanting to uh, transfer to another state, but the, there's not an opening yet, um, but they know like what unit they want to go to and everything. Is it possible for them to already have like a plan in place and coordinate with you guys and then just um, split train with that same unit until the actual slot opens up? Yeah, I've seen that happen uh, several times where they're waiting for a slot to become available. But um, like I said, that's all really a case by case. Um, it depends on the unit, if the unit's willing to accommodate that. Most most time they are, because a lot of times the soldiers already moved to that state for a, for a full-time job and a civilian career. Um, so it's just, it's really about how the soldier approaches it, um, if they're visible with their command and communicating very well and you know, doing the right things, getting the counselings, turning in their, their TA-50 and their gear, um, making sure all that whole packet's complete. And uh, most of the times the units are more than willing to accommodate that, both units. Now, I know before we re were recording, you were saying that you don't handle the 
people coming to South Carolina that's a separate process. Is there somebody specific that handles that where somebody can contact them if they have information? Yeah, um, Sergeant Nice in R&R. Uh, she does the incoming ISTs. But also it's it's really important that they um, that the soldier reaches out through their readiness NCO. A lot of times um, I've gotten a couple who, who've gone straight to me, and I don't mind answering questions or I'm, I'm – my door's always open. My phone's always on. Um, but there's only so much I can do at my level without having the soldier done their part at their level with the readiness NCO. So the first process is they basically need to tell their unit that they're looking to transfer, but then they also need to figure out where they're going if they have availability. Correct. And okay. there's also a lot of resources out there um, that the readiness NCOs have. Um that, and you can find this like again on the desktop reference guide in the G1 public page on Teams. Um, we have contacts for other states for their IST coordinators, so they can reach out to those IST coordinators and say, "Hey, I'm this MOS, and do you have any jobs or um, sorry, any um, positions in this area that I'll be moving to?" Oh, that makes it so much easier. Mm-hmm. I f- I feel like has that always been the case though? Because I feel like before you would have to like search high and low to get information like was that was there always some an IST person in that position like doing those transfers or how did that work yeah so that's, that's always as far as I've known um that's always been the case there's always been an IST coordinator I know um your average person who's just you know day soldier uh is not going to have uh all the access to this information. Um, that's why you rely so heavily on your readiness NCOs. Um, but yeah, it's always been there. And, and I know like coming up in my, you know, previous units, every time somebody's talked about ISTs, they're like, I don't know really where to start with it. Um, and it's, like I said, it's really, it's a lot on the soldier themselves. Like they, if they want this, uh, this transfer to happen, it's like they really have to take it in on their own. Yeah. I feel like, well, when I first got in, I feel like it. a lot of the time when it came with, like, career progression or promotions or just anything that needed to happen, it just happened. But now I feel like the way that things are changing um, and the processes and all that, it's you're now having to learn all of this stuff that before you just were like, hey, Sergeant so-and-so, can you just do this for me? And they would do it because they're full-time. But now it's like you have to put in more effort to get to where you want to go, do what you need to do, or like you said, if you're trying to transfer to a different state. So I think that helps soldiers learn, like, how the process works. And they don't just show up to drill and do whatever at drill and then go home. Like, they learn actually how – the National Guard works and how the Army works and they don't just do a job and that's it. Like, they have to learn a lot more about what's out there. Exactly. And and that's the thing is also, like, uh, some soldiers will jump straight to the IST. And I understand that that's great for um, soldiers who are moving. But um, if you just want to change the scenery, uh, you know, the command and the G1 – we're glad to accommodate and, and, you know, try to help you find a different home in the state um, so that we, you know, we, we value you as a member of the South Carolina Army National Guard, and we'd like to keep you here, of course. Um, so there's there's different ways we can work 
and uh, try to make you happier in the position you're at. So. <laughs> well, is there anything else that maybe we didn't ask or touch on that you kind of want to um, share before we close out today? Yeah, just, uh, I think just the biggest thing is um, if you're not part of the G1 public page, um, you can be added to that, and it has a lot of really good references and different checklists and, and uh, resources that can help you um, across any sort of admin issue you may have. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming in and talking with us yeah, today. Um, but yeah, if you guys have any information, we'll put his information. I'll get, what was her name? Sergeant Niece? Yes, yeah, Sergeant Niece. I'll get her information so we can put that in the description. That way, if anybody has questions or concerns about things that we talked about, or if they're looking to get information to transfer or anything, um, it'll be easily accessible in the description below. But if you guys like this video, make sure you give it a big thumbs up. If you haven't subscribed to our channel, make sure you hit the subscribe button, and we will catch you guys in the next episode.